This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sarah Michelle Gellar on Buffy the together a pop culture academic symposium mm-hmm. welcome we are the pop culture professors i'm caitlin bitsagai i'm lauren brickman and you know we're just a couple of smart people talking dumb topics you are so correct we both have master's degrees we've taught college level courses yeah today i gave a midterm okay Mm-hmm. Now you're pushing it. But on this show, we like to talk about all things standing. Lauren, put your professor hat right back on and explain to us mm-hmm. what standing is. Well, for folks that aren't aware, to be a stan is to be an obsessive fan of something. And, you know, I was going to come in this week and class it up. I was going to class up the joint because Friday night I <laughs> went and saw a concert. I saw Josh Ritter perform a beautiful acoustic set in a beautiful church in Brooklyn. And I really thought, you know, this is going to really elevate my, you know, persona okay. uh, to the listeners. All right. But I have and, and I, and I, ha- I loved it. I love Josh Ritter's show. I love his music. I've been listening to it a lot. But then this morning I made a choice to watch the season premiere of the CW's Nancy Drew. Okay. And I have to be honest with you, myself, and our listeners and say the only thing I'm actually thinking about right now is Nancy Drew. Okay, wow. Again. So we had a battle for your stand of the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we had mm-hmm. two great nominees, Josh Ritter, an amazing mm-hmm. musician, and Nancy mm-hmm. Drew, the show on the CW. Okay. Listen, listen. Once Ace's beautiful locks filled up my TV screen... I forgot everything else. I love that man. I love that character. And if anyone is out there watching Nancy Drew, please slide into our DM so I can talk to you because Caitlin's not watching it and I need to talk to someone about it. So yeah. that's 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 my that's my piece. But Caitlin, what's what's your stand of the week? What are you getting into? All right. I am standing something I have wanted to see since Mm-hmm. Or uh, 2019 at the latest. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was in London. Then we had a thing called mm. the coronavirus pandemic. Oh, and I've heard of that. Then, yeah, I'll explain to you offline. Mm-hmm. But it's why no one was out. <laughs> All those mm. raves you tried to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I saw live on Broadway the musical mm-hmm. Six. It is amazing. 
It is the a sort of musical review, fun, uh, ahistorical look at the six wives of Henry VIII. Uh, amazing, amazing singers, uh, diverse cast, but it is so fun. Everyone has to go yeah. see it. Uh, I want Lauren Brickman to audition for the role of Catherine of Aragon. I feel like that's Thank something so that she could, she could, but, but wow. I, I, you know, and I, I thought about it because I told our other friend, Emily, that she should audition for Jane Seymour. So I'm not just tossing mm. out parts. I'm thinking about it. And am yeah. I the casting director of six on Broadway? Not yet. But could you be the casting director of six in your apartment? Wow. A Zoom concert. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And I'm also the director. And I won't Ooh. be taking any guff. But you know what? We stand above all other things really in life. Oh. It's a show called Grey's Anatomy. And oh my God, I am chill. I'm like freaking out right now. I'm so excited about this today. episode. We have the most amazing guest. And, and, and folks, it goes places. We we had no idea it was going to go. Yeah. We're doing a rare... This is a rare treat. We're actually recording this intro after we've already met our guest. And everyone, just buckle up because this next hour and change is... Even if you're not a Grey's Anatomy fan, there is, there's so much insight into the world of television and publication and Hollywood. It, it, there's, a, there's something for everyone in this episode. Absolutely. And if you don't stand Grey's Anatomy, I don't understand you. But number two, no. you still will stand this episode. Uh, mm -hmm. Go with us on the journey. And I just can't believe Lynette Rice. Man, Stan Stans, we are so excited about this week's guest. It's uh, for anyone that's been on this journey with us, you know, there's nothing we love to talk about more. Nothing. Nothing. Um, even ourselves, we love to talk about Grey's Anatomy more. And that's why we are so excited today to have Lynette Rice, editor at large for Entertainment Weekly, host of Outlander Live on EW Radio, and a Mark Harmon enthusiast. And also the author of the new book, How to Save a Life, the inside story of Grey's Anatomy. Lynette, welcome to We Stand Together. We're so excited to have you here. It's my pleasure. And it was a pleasure listening to that song. Did you guys sing that? Oh, we wish. That is, <laughs> we wish. That is actually uh, our friend of the show, Gracie Carly and Tony Bush. Uh, Sounded lovely. Fabulous musicians. It, we we, love them. it absolutely does. We're, we're just the muse. Okay. Um, so, so Lynette, every episode we like to give a uh, a credit uh, of why we feel that we are uh, justified in speaking on the topic of, of the episode. And what's funny about this particular credit is that every live show we've ever done, we've mentioned that we are current on Grey's Anatomy. So I think, Lauren, I think our credit today has to be that we're current on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, absolutely. We are current. And not only are we current, we've also read the book, absolutely. How to Save a Life, cover to cover in preparation of hosting How to Save a Life book club later today. So I feel like uh, this is the show we've been <laughs> waiting to do for so long. This may be the only show we've ever actually had the credentials. To host. <laughs> yes. The first 88 episodes of this podcast were a bluff. <laughs> But here we are <laughs> at last at home. Uh, so, Lynette, I'd say you're pretty qualified mm -hmm. to talk on this topic, considering you wrote the book, How to Save a Life. H have you been a Grey's Anatomy fan always? What inspired you to write this book? OK, well, first off, I'm not current. I haven't <gasps> I have not watched the first two episodes. <gasps> I um, I am not, yeah. uh, you know, despite the fact that our role at EW, uh, we're t like 
we curate pop culture. We try to curate it and then bring what we think is the best to the readers. Um, um, I always covered Grays as a business writer. Mm. And because, I mean, television is still a business. There's still people like, you know, earning paychecks. And so I always watch the show from that point of view. That said, I watch the show as a fan, but... Uh, never to, certainly never to a stand level. I mean, that just speaks to a whole different generation of people. Um, but um, I was definitely one of those that stopped watching. God, well, I definitely kind of went right. on a personal strike after McDreamy died. And then it, okay. it, it, wow. it took a while for me to kind of get reinvested. Mm -hmm. And even then, um, I'm also, I, I'm one of the types where I can, uh, that I kind of believe that, yeah, maybe it's time to say goodbye. Uh, because, you know, it's, look, we're on 18 seasons, mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many different ways can you tell a story? That doesn't mean I don't have respect for Ellen Pompeo mm -hmm. for keeping this baby going. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I completely understand why ABC is still in the business, but I'm like, I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm tapped out. I think, you know, that's, I think that's yeah. the rational sort of response. Absolutely. I, you know, <laughs> Should we have a season 18? Probably not. Will I watch every single episode a hundred times? Probably not, but I'll watch them all at least once. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I mean, Grey's fatigue is a real thing. I think we've all been through it. We've all quit. Uh, you know, for me, famously, I did not enjoy the episodes where they were, they bought the hospital. <laughs> Yeah. And it became like a lawyer and business show for like half a season. Yeah. And now they've kind of forgotten that they own it, which I appreciate. Yeah. I, I say just move on. If it didn't work, move on. Yeah. It got really esoteric there when you're getting into like changing hands and the whole. I mean, I, even then, I couldn't even tell you today exactly how financially it all works and what role like um, Jackson. Uh, it's like it's, it was right. too much. It was right. too much. The Avery mm -hmm. family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What their role is. Yeah. The Catherine Fox of it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's quite confusing. So sorry, I didn't answer but... your, your question. Uh, so um, um, so it was like during the 16th season, yeah. I think it was the start of the 16th season, I got a random email from an editor at Crown who then became my agent. I was literally his first client and he suggested doing a Grey's Anatomy book. We, um, we have a format at EW that we've done for a very long time, which is now universally used and that's called oral histories. And what happens is, you know, the, the people you interview, they set the narrative. So the, the actual writer, you know, myself stays out of it. Uh, and so it, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a simplified way to tell a story and a much quicker way to tell a story too. And so when he said, Lynette, would you do this? I'm like, okay, sure. But, uh, um, um, but I remember when I was putting the proposal together, because you have to write a proposal and that goes out to the publishing companies. The whole thing sounded very recappy to me. Like I'm just basically recapping um, milestones in the, sh in the show, you know, when Isaiah Washington got fired, when, you know, the pilot was made, of course, when, when, what happened with, um, Catherine Heigl, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, nobody's going to buy this. <laughs> and oh my God, there was a bidding war and, um, uh, and St. Martin's persevered and they, they got the book. And I mean, the other interesting part about it was, um, as I was writing the proposal, you know, as a journalist covering Hollywood for as long as I've had, you know, we, we hear, we hear rumors, we hear mm -hmm. a lot of stories and knowing that this was just going to 
be in the proposal and it wouldn't end up in the book without my confirming everything. I mean, I just threw everything in the proposal, everything that I've heard, all the rumors, which really sweetened the pot, by the way. (laughs) Um, But I'm not, wasn't even sure I was going to like, you know, be able to get to that Mm -hmm. level. But as I was writing the proposal, I said to my agent, you know, this isn't going to leak, is it? Um, He said, no. No, this is like honor among publishing companies. It will not leak. Sure enough, not long after I sold Hmm. it, I got a call from ABC (gasps) and saying that, Lynette, we know you want to do this tell all book. And it also went to Shondaland. And immediately I was like, oh, you know, and and I thought it was over before it even began. Um, um, because I wasn't at a tell all level. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, when you want to write a book like this, I mean, ultimately my, the point is just to give people a little taste of what happens behind the sure. scenes. And, and that covers the gamut as a business writer for me, that covers how this project even got off the ground, mm-hmm. what it was like to make it, what is it like to work on that show? And then you, you kind of scatter in like, oh, this little nightmare happened and that little nightmare happened and stuff. But it's when I sat down, the goal is not necessarily to write like a, some tell all yeah. because ultimately it's tell some, it's not tell all. Um, mm-hmm. but the fear immediately was that's where it was at. And, um, I subsequently got calls from two lawyers and it made it more difficult to get a lot of people that combined with the fact that I also embarked on this right at the start of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it felt like a really weird time to say, Hey, you know, I know the world is falling apart, but would you talk to me about season two? (laughs) You know? And so, (laughs) you know, the timing really felt off. So I, there was, Uh, There was a period there where I just kind of had to lay dormant and just wait Mm -hmm. to make the calls. And then I started making the calls. But it was, um, it, 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 I guess in retrospect, I'm not surprised that there was panic there Mm -hmm. because, you know, Grey's Anatomy, I mean, I mean, look, we're sitting here talking about it and people, there are not enough people, people can't talk about it enough. And, um, I, I, I guess as a, as an entertainment writer who's covered the industry for as long as I have, you know, I take for granted that people will still care Mm -hmm. um, because it's like I cover it on a daily basis, but oh my God, people care. And they really Mm -hmm. don't, they really can't, like, just like you said, you guys, I mean, I I have no idea how much you've been talking about it, like every episode, but people really want to talk about it. It's nuts. It's so, (laughs) one of the fun things reading the book made me, with the fact that the show's been on for as long as it is, is that like, it's now, I've lived through so many different eras of my life too. So it's like when you're reading a chapter and you're talking about like the early days, I was like, oh my God, I was still a kid when this show first came out. Like I was yeah. a teenager watching this. And so it's kind of what it become one of those shows where because it's been on for so long, you think about like you attach so many different like um memories to the show that have nothing to do with the show. Like which is so interesting. And reading the book really made me realize that I'm like, oh part of the fun of Grey's is like has been talking about it with friends and a big part of it that I've realized too in the book was like it was also one of the first shows that like they un- they talked to us through the blogs they were talking to the fans of the blog that was so new at the time and like this is I think the very first tv show I streamed on a computer 
Yeah. I've never yeah, done that. ABC.com ABC. ABC. blew my mind that I could like watch TV on my computer. It was like groundbreaking. <laughs> well, I was so shocked now when I, and I've gotten anecdotal texts from people via Instagram uh, about you know, buying the book and it's been international on a, on a national level, um, which is a whole nother story. I mean, in addition to writing the book, I've learned so much about the publishing industry. You always think as a journalist that the publishing industry is up here. It's like, no, it's just a different way of doing things. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, but anyway, from those texts, I've gotten texts from 13, 14 year olds who are buying the book. And I'm like, I don't understand why you'd be interested in this book because I don't necessarily I didn't write it for stands, although I think they could find some interest in mm -hmm. it. But and I'm also an originalist, you know, and I, I, I call that because I love the original cast. Mm -hmm. That's when mm -hmm. I thought the show mm -hmm. was at its finest. No slight to Kevin McKidd and Kim Raver and Camilla Luddington. But I really love that cast. And that's what what that was a, an example, the, the epitome of what makes television great. It's when they create stars, they don't cast stars. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened with this cast. And I think another reason why it was so damn successful too. So, um, yeah, I, it's the, the fan base is so interesting and you have Netflix, of course, to thank for a lot of that too, that yeah. they really changed the dynamic of the fan base. 100 percent it's yeah. the one show that you know as a teacher in my classroom it's the one show i can bring up and like they know it doesn't make me feel old because my students automatically know what i'm talking about like if i make a dawson's creek reference they're like what and i'm and then i cry for an hour <laughs> but grace they're lost i know so I, know. I made a hilarious felicity joke in class this week and <laughs> It was dead silent, but Grey's Anatomy, no matter what country they're from, no matter how old or young they are, they all always know what Grey's Anatomy is. It's fascinating. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think it's time, you know, I think it's time to play our first game. There were so many fun quotes in the book that we thought we'd turn some of your writing into a game called Seriously? Who said what they said? We're going to give you a couple of quotes from the book that we thought really popped off the page. And we're going to see if you know your book well enough to tell us whose quote we're quoting. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, shoot. Here we go. Not everyone's going to like you. I don't like everyone I see on TV. You know what I mean? Oh, I remember when she said that to me. That was Ellen Pompeo. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That felt... That line, I was like, I could like hear it. It jumped right off the page. I was like, I can hear her voice right now. All right. Number two, Ellen didn't really learn her dialogue and it drove people nuts. She and Patrick didn't particularly get along because she never memorized her dialogue. Well, that was an unnamed source in my book. Yeah. Yes. Good like job. A huge payoff. And it was somebody that I didn't expect would have the goods <gasps> when I just randomly called him. Ooh. And he had the goods. <gasps> wow. <laughs> he had yes. so many more goods than I was able to dish out. But yeah, he was awesome. It was awesome. And it was somebody Ooh. I happened to call during the pandemic who was just so tired of being a shut in. It's like as soon as the, he picked up the phone, it's like he turned on the faucet. And it was just like, 
somebody to talk to, somebody to talk to, somebody to talk to. And, and, and it was like butter was pulling out of my phone. Oh, oh my, my God. It was crazy. Shout out to longtime crew member. We love <laughs> I was, you. I was crazy. wondering if that was part of it. I was so curious. Some of those quotes, I'm like, I wonder if she just like grabbed him during quarantine. Like, I love that that is what happened. <laughs> That's 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 what it was. And it was and it's funny because when I called back mm-hmm. for a follow up, wouldn't pick <gasps> up the phone. And so because I, I did have a follow up because the conversation ended up lasting for 90 minutes, which was a really long time. Mm-hmm. And there was so much there. And um, um, but I wanted to and there was there's a lot of I, I mean, I heard stuff about the departure of, of Justin Chambers. Mm. And mm-hmm. there was not enough that I could confirm it, um, without, you know, cause, yeah. cause this, I was finishing up the book when that was happening. Sure. And so, but, and, and that was, and that was the first stuff that I had heard from anybody about, you know, the, the, the circumstances, uh, surrounding his departure, which again was another departure, like what, where'd this come from? And so, uh, and it was an, it, and I just can, I can picture it in the, I'm in standing there in my bedroom pacing and he starts talking about the details surrounding Justin's departure. And I just, Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Right. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, you're two for two. I I have a feeling I have a feeling you really know your quotes. So let's see if we can keep the role going with number three. There's a lot of possessiveness with fans. It's earned and that's fine. People invest in these characters. Oh, I know. I know what chapter that's in. I know that. I can't remember. I can't remember who that is. (laughs) It was Jesse Williams. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I re- yes. Because I re- was talking to him about um, um, J-Pro, mm-hmm. you know, when they're there. Yes. And, and people were so weird at, on, at J-Pro, too. They first they hated them and then they liked mm-hmm. them and then they couldn't live without them. Um, and, <laughs> um, um, and that's I mean, that, and to follow the trajectory of that relationship, too, was so crazy. I mean, one of the fun things about talking to Sarah Drew for the book was how much she regretted that J-Pearl weren't together when she went away. She wanted that for them. And which is, uh, was really sweet because, and, and, and I talked to the paramedic that she ended up with, Matthew Brenning, perfectly nice guy, super funny, went on to do a show for Netflix, really great. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, he's like, he had to like throw up his hands, like, Hey, I know what my role was here. And it wasn't like her be all end all, even though they had a really sweet send off together. But I mean, now even looking at it though, I don't know how they could have stayed together. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's complicated because they have a daughter Correct. so she had to like stay the character had to stay local unless we're going to get very confusing about custody but then they didn't want them together so it was just like you know april's somewhere nearby right right <laughs> but like not interacting with every day it was it was one of the it was sort of a clunky departure just because of that like logistical issue and when you see a clunky departure like that you know 
FYIT fans, where you probably can already figure this out. If there's a clunky departure, the the chances are pretty dang good that it wasn't the smoothest exit with the actor. Yeah. And right. I mean, you could definitely look at Justin Chambers' uh, very hasty departure uh, and, and the clunky way that they let him go. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not getting a full story here of what exactly happened that they got to the point that they had to get rid of him quickly. And even then, looking at the way he departed... I didn't feel like that was organic to the story. I mean, he, we, they did a very good job for a couple seasons to convince us that Karev and Joe were truly in love with one another. I believed mm-hmm, it. I mm-hmm. thought they were great together. They had great chemistry together. You know, they finally found a good place for themselves. And then all of a sudden he picks up and goes back to freaking Izzy. I mean, that it, <laughs> it, it, that didn't make any sense. That didn't make any sense. Conversely, when you look at the death of McDreamy, uh, again, there was a buildup to that. You know, I get into it in the book yeah. about why he had to leave. However, that departure was organic in that the only way that you can get rid of a McDreamy is by killing him yeah. off because fans would not buy uh, McDreamy and Meredith divorcing no. or not working no. out because that whole relationship was set up as the perfect relationship. So the only way you get rid of a guy like that is you kill him. And it ended up being a magnificent episode, even though so many people couldn't get over it. Yeah. Totally. Oh, I, I, oh, I'm so, this is so exciting. All right. We got, we got another quote for you. I'm as decisive and opinionated as they come. So I was fully prepared. I had to bring my A game for him. So I did. <laughs> I had to bring my A game for him. So I did. It was, was it somebody working with Patrick Dempsey? No, it was, I'll give you a hint. Oh, no, no, it was Alan mm-hmm. working with Dempsey. Yes. Correct. Yes, we actually have a, a listener question on this topic. Hi, I'm Shamara Hernandez. I'm a new but an ardent fan of everything that the podcast is doing. Keep it up. Um, okay, we've got to talk about... <laughs> We've got to talk about Ellen Pompeo and Denzel Washington, which I'm referring to as Denzel Gate, where she lost her mind apparently and started started yelling at our king. <laughs> I'm giggling in the middle. Oh, listen. Um, I feel like on one hand, it's great that there's a woman who feels as empowered as Ellen does to like regulate for lack of a better term on her set on her show and I think that that spirit is important like I am the star I'm an EP my initials are EP respect um I think the tone the it's it's the tone of how she apparently did that where she was like listen ran out of time so while I think it's great that Ellen Pompeo is empowered and is like clearly in charge and has agency on the set of Grey's Anatomy. I think that in spirit, that's great. It feels like in practice that came out in a way that is just like unkind and a little bit disrespectful. Like I, I think it makes sense not to give actors notes on the side or it makes sense for the director of the episode to say that and to expect it to be done. Um, I feel like the swearing and everything, like just the, the, pomp that uh the pomp that went behind it felt a little off to me especially because of the like the dynamics that they can't control which is like white woman black man um I think that's present and I 
didn't love it. I didn't love hearing about it. I feel like the way that she told the story was also maybe not the most self-aware. That's my take. That's my take. And I'm really eager to hear what y'all have to say about it. Thanks. Thank you, Shamara. And Shamara reached out to us via Instagram voicemail, which is why she mentioned she ran out of time. And, you know, Stan Sands, you can reach out to us anyway. That's We love it. So, yeah, Lynette, I'm so curious. As you mentioned, this is a developing story. It's mentioned in the book. What are your thoughts? I love how she, that she tried to kind of rationalize a little bit and to try to like, <laughs> she tried to throw Ellen a bone mm-hmm. and saying, yes. I mean, go, you go girl. But, um, uh, I think that, I think it was very strange for Ellen. <laughs> I don't know. Where, where can I start? Um, Ellen, what makes Ellen so, um, refreshing as an entertainment journalist to interview is that she's unplugged. She's, uh, she's unpolished. Uh, she still to this day says whatever the hell she wants. And as a journalist, that's gold yeah. because we never really know what the hell we're going to get. Um, uh, so that's a good thing. Uh, um, and she definitely is in a place now where she feels very empowered to say, you know, this is, this is my show. I've earned the right to be here today. I've earned the status as the highest paid woman in television. And hell, you're not going to get any disagreement from Mm -hmm. us. What was very strange about what she said about Denzel is that, you know, when you bring somebody like Denzel on the show, it's a stunt. Mm -hmm. It's a stunt to, for publicity, for marketing to say, Hey, look, we've got this Oscar winner directing an episode. So as a businesswoman, you defer to that and you're like he let him be the mm-hmm. boss today um this is all his thing this is great payoff for us i actually it was the episode two where she didn't have any dialogue yeah. i think right and so yeah, so how much directing was really important during that um i mean she had to speak with her eyes which ellen can do so for to that sense it, it seemed a little odd to uh come out and, and say that um and and I think there has to be some regret. A buddy of mine, I won't say the outlet, but a buddy of mine was offered a chance to talk to Ellen about her podcast mm-hmm. as long as she didn't bring up the Denzel incident. And my buddy's like, no, you can't like, this is like out in the ether mm-hmm. right now. Everyone's talking about it. You're going to have to address it. And I don't understand why she just, she doesn't just, just go ahead. You know, you put it out yeah. there, just explain, you know, why you did it. Ellen is very unpredictable that way. And and there's one moment in the book, I'm sure that you read where, you know, we put her on the cover one year with Shonda and Carrie Washington and Viola Davis and our reporter, Melissa Mayers, had them all in the same room together. And there was this very hiccupy moment during the interview where she said something um, after, uh, in response to a question about mm-hmm. race. And it was a very uncomfortable moment. And Melissa... It was hard for Melissa to navigate, too, because at one point there was a very um, a profound uh, intellectual discussion about race in Hollywood and, the, and, and women in Hollywood. And Ellen was making the conversation about her in this weird, awkward, like, snapshot. So it was so knowing that she did that and then hearing that she made this um, statement, it's. Yeah, it's strange. 
People forget when she when she first came to Hollywood, she was like a high school grad. She was raised in a working class Boston neighborhood. I mean, this is um, she like this is like a street smarts kind of gal. So um, I she didn't suffer fools. I mean, she's a shrewd lady because she's known that, you know, you got to ride this baby to the end. But that doesn't mean that she's incapable of making mistakes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All right. We have just one more quote that I had to pull because it this one took my breath away when I read this quote. I don't even remember who Brick Smith was. This is why I left and hate the entertainment biz. I pity people like her. Delusional. (laughs) Blame and hate directed toward others in an attempt to make themselves feel better. Yeah, that was Steve McPherson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the former ABC president. I mean, he left. I mean, there's no point to even get into it, you know, why he left in this book. But he left in a blaze of, you know, sexual harassment allegations and just total <gasps> oh. poor behavior uh, at, at the network level. And and it's funny because even since I've written the book, I've heard from one agent, like, why didn't you call me? I would have told you so much more about it. It's like, oh, please. Yeah, but I can't, I'm not going to run a million quotes, not for attribution. Um, um, I, I, it was, if it was ultimately fun talking to Steve McPherson mm-hmm. because, um, as flawed as that man was, it's a thankless job being a network president yeah. because you know, later on down the line, when people are, are giving credit to how a show succeeded and failed, they always remember the one person when it failed, but you know, um, w- but when something succeeds, there's like a hundred people who deserve credit. And the thing is, is that, you know, even today, the, the showrunner on, on Grey's Anatomy, who's Krista Vernoff, she will say that, McPherson hated the show. Uh, but as a network president, the buck still stops with mm-hmm. him. He still had to green light it. And if he really hated that show, he could have said, no, we are not making it. But he made it. Mm-hmm. He didn't make life easy at the beginning, but he still made it. Um, here for Brooke Smith, I think, I just think he didn't like her. He didn't like the way she looked. Yeah. Um, and it came at the worst time. You know, right after she had that beautiful mm-hmm. scene, the leave speech, mm-hmm. which you can find on YouTube. I mean, that was the best part of writing this book is going back and looking at watching those scenes. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. And then she finds out like two days later, it's like, yeah, you're gone. You're history. It's horrible. Horrible. I really liked Brooke Smith and Sarah Drew in the book because they both really wore their heart on their sleeve about wanting to be a part of the show. And, you know, maybe there's silver linings to moving on, but I I really liked that they were both like, no, I'd have preferred to continue (laughs) acting on Grey's Anatomy. Thanks. Whereas other people, and maybe when you're, you know, producing art, you have to have that that distance, but they don't. And I, I like that. That's definitely they they were endearing to me. Yeah, it's a great job. I mean, why would you want to leave it? Yeah. And it it yeah. and it made a huge difference to Sarah's career. It certainly made a bit difference 
mm-hmm. to Brooke's career, although I'll always remember her as the girl in the hole from Silence of the oh, Lambs, yeah. not necessarily <laughs> as, yes. uh, yeah. as, as Dr. Erica Hahn. On, right. She was kind of mean as Dr. Erica Hahn. I didn't love her as a character. I didn't really love her until that leave mm-hmm. speech, but I mean, she was mean to some of the other interns. Um, yeah, totally. She was, the leave speech was supposed to be like a transition or like a turning point, and then we never went anywhere. Right, right. I think she was mean to um, Christina, mm-hmm. wasn't she? Yes, yeah, she was. Because she thought like Christina was only there because she had been Burke's girlfriend. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that was great. That was great tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I, I didn't love her. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't blame her for wanting to leave. And also, I think there was, you know, for any woman in Hollywood, too, there's always going to be that moment. Like, what is my value to them? Is my value simply based on what I look like? And and to know, to have to really process the fact that I may have just lost that job because somebody didn't like, like the way I looked. I mean, that's that has to be particularly hard for a woman. And uh, I definitely got that sense, too, just when talking about Sada Ramirez and that what it was like for her on that show uh, and being around. I mean, if you look at that, that original cast, too, there are all these tiny women. And then Sada was mm-hmm. like an average looking mm-hmm. gal. But you'll notice, too, especially as you watch the show as a fan, you'll see that Sada really wore a lot more makeup than some of the other mm-hmm. women. And some mm-hmm. of that came from a point of insecurity that she felt like she had to uh, because she was competing for attention, which was so s- sad because we end up loving mm-hmm. her more than the other women. Uh, yes. But it's sad yeah. that it, has to, it had to come to that. I think it was really interesting. That quote really stuck out to me, too, because I remember when the show was like, for in those original days, I remember being in a call like at a college theater festival where a casting director was doing a workshop and he made this big deal about how the casting on Grey's Anatomy was changing the face of Hollywood. And then to read some of these stories of the time and be like, oh, no, it was it was still just as superficial as, as anything else. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't I don't know. It was such a dyke. Um, such a dichotomy between like the story they wanted to tell you at the time versus what was really happening behind the scenes. And that just really stood out to me. Well, he's obviously focusing on what we deemed at the time colorblind casting mm-hmm. that right. we were seeing uh, uh, African-American actors uh, uh, in these prominent surgical yeah. roles you wouldn't necessarily see. I mean, that was the big topic of the day, uh, but there were still very pretty mm-hmm. women. And it was only mm-hmm. it, t- it took a very long time before we started to see a real change in the way that the interns looked. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I mean, it took a while. Uh, but yeah, it, I yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You you crushed it. You know your quotes. So. Crush it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we are having so much fun. In fact, we're maybe having too much fun. So we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to catch my breath, maybe throw some water on my face, and we'll be right back. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I think Caitlin, you have uh, you had a, a pretty eye-opening revelation while reading this book. <laughs> All right, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit. You know, it's so funny reading this book, hearing about what an average fan's reaction to the show is, and we are on a, a group chat about Grey's Anatomy. And sometimes you'll love or hate an episode, and you go in and you expect everyone to have the same opinion, and they do not. And you're like, "What?" And of course, we post on our social media about Grey's all the time, so we get reactions like this constantly. But one of the biggest ones for me personally, and it 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 come it seems like uh it's a big issue for you maybe in a different way is McDreamy. So you mentioned that you stopped watching for a while after McDreamy was ousted uh hit with a truck. Um so I think it's so I don't connect to McDreamy the way that Shonda very clearly intends you to connect with her. And I loved all that in the book. Um, some of the quotes uh, from James D. Perriott, I would say the guy would never say that. And Shonda would say, he's McDreamy. He's the perfect man. He would say that. Mm -hmm. Like to me, like the idea that he was supposed to be the perfect man, I, I just didn't get that at all. If, if I had watched this in a vacuum, I thought like, he's a hot guy. He's a good surgeon and doctor. Uh, perfect man. That seems a little strong <laughs> if that's how he was intended. And Tony uh, Phelan, yeah. uh, Phelan, excuse me, discussed the editing and how uh, a a woman in Iowa is supposed to see herself in Meredith responding to McDreamy. And it's just it's just so fascinating because clearly this uh, goal of Shonda's was accomplished. People are attached to McDreamy. I just personally am not. And I find that such a fascinating part of the show is that people can watch it. And some people's opinions are completely downriver from Shonda's. And it's like, perfect man. Love him. Won't watch it without. How dare. But for me, and I watched the first three seasons on DVD, um, but, but very early on, like right after season three came out on DVD. And I guess maybe it's because I already knew it had already been spoiled for me that uh, Addison was going to join the cast. I already knew about that scene from the second I watched it. So I'm wondering if maybe that colored Big Dreamy forever for me. But I think it's, it's in, but I would say overall, my opinion of Big Dreamy is I like him. He's not a favorite character for me. 
but he is such a lightning rod. I f- and then it seems like in this book, Patrick Dempsey himself is in a totally different way. Um, so I was just curious, what what reactions to the book have you gotten about either, you know, pa- Patrick Dempsey through his own words and through others <laughs> and also then subsequently Mick Dreamy and where is the line <laughs> well first of all have you talked to a therapist about this oh <laughs> uh, yeah th- thank you um you actually made it uh, almost 40 minutes into this episode without asking us so you are uh, <laughs> a slower on the uptake than most of in, our your, in your group chat you're in the minority right are you in the minority uh do, I don't know that we've actually discussed this topic as much just because it's not as recent. Um, I would say but, I'm with you, though. Like, I like... Are you? I like Derek. Like, I, and I think what's, it's, hard, it's hard to remember how I felt when it was first airing. Like, I think I had much more mm-hmm. positive feelings for him in the initial run. But I've rewatched some episodes, like certain seasons and episodes a bunch of times. And the more I rewatch it, the less I like him. Oh, that's funny. You know, I think it's that I felt such a connection to the five mm-hmm. interns. To me, they were the way in, not just Meredith. So in a way, I was so invested yeah. in their friendships and their careers that the McDreamy plot of it all was actually not just number one to me, though I, I clearly am in the minority of all people that have ever watched these episodes. Well, you are the perfect Grey's fan because thank you appreciated... Okay, the entire ensemble Mm -hmm. and you demonstrated at least from the, at least what a network Mm -hmm. wants is that there's something for everybody in this show. Um, uh, And though the interns always got plenty of press, it's extraordinary looking back how much of the white hot attention was really on, um, you know, Meredith and Derek. I mean, most of it was on this relationship because even though this was meant to be an ensemble um, and, you know, it really was about what's it like uh, for an intern at the start of their career, it that this coupling just took on a life of its own. I mean, that's I mean, that's I mean, that's what you want as a writer of a show like that. You want to be surprised at what people uh, what resonates with people and then you write to that. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, at least I got the impression that Shonda, she always knew specifically what she wanted from McDreamy. I mean, I appreciated it. I, when I, I loved him, I loved him and I, he was totally flawed, but I loved looking at him and I was also very angry. And I remember we wrote about it too, in EW, like from like season two and three, she was playing that will they won't they for so long it really got maddening and fans were starting to revolt too it's like make up your damn mind are they going to be together or what i remember being invested in that but i mean i did respect uh what she did with mcdreamy and how she made it like he was the man that we always hoped would marry mm-hmm. us, you know, that perfect, sweet man. And so, um, I, I mean, yeah, I was heavily invested to the point that when he died, I, I did really wonder what's left for me of the, of the show. Um, I, I, it's, I, I also through the, you know, through the book and then the time that I, talked with Patrick too. I also have the distance, especially as someone who's covered entertainment, 
you know, wondering what it must be like as an actor to play a role mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, certainly it was life changing for him. Uh, but also what an enormous responsibility to have to walk around with. And, and people oh, assume yeah. that he is this way 24 seven. He is not. He is not. He's a totally flawed dude. Um, but it works for him and against him. And right. I just, I can't imagine. I mean, I know that there's there's far worse things to, you know, to lament about in life than like having the responsibility of playing somebody like McDreamy. But I I just can't imagine what it must be. It must be. Totally. Uh, but then again, he also was so aware so mindful of his power, he being Patrick, that he knows that he could command a room just when he walked into it. And he knew, even with female reporters like me, when he would sit across from them, he has to know on some level, okay, I'm going to make her melt. (laughs) I can see sex like flashing on her forehead. I see it. And, and even women on the writing staff and they, I, I quote them in Mm -hmm. the book, Mm -hmm. they all just loved him. And so to know that you have that kind of power, I mean, that's, that's, that's intoxicating. And I'm sure, and I, I, I also think that he really got caught up in that as well too. Yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting. I think maybe about rewatching it is that you see that a little bit more when you rewatch it, that he like buys it, like he's in his own bullshit so much, the character. And I think also the actor on screen. And so there's stuff that I'm like, some of these scenes are hard on a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. They really well, you know, you know what really helped flesh out the character of McDreamy for me is his friendship with McSteamy. Yeah. No. Dr. Sloan. Like that is a brilliant addition to the show because he's an extension, like almost in a like a Greek drama way. He is like an extension <laughs> of McDreamy. He's both the things uh, he's like the places that McDreamy won't go and at the same time, the things he can't do. And like, but he still loves him in the face of this betrayal. I, I, but then again, Sloan elevated I would die for Mark for Sloan. And again, I that's... would die for Mark Sloan. <laughs> he really did. He was a male slut <laughs> and people loved that he was a male him. slut and he embraced his yeah. slutness, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, he was so, he was so good. And that bromance oh. between the two of them, um, that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I mean, that was, I mean, again, to me, that's as that's part of the originalist mm-hmm. years when it was great. Yes, yeah. Um, and I, when I loved that and, and it was, it, it was good. It did put his McDreaminess in perspective. There's it, I, it just popped up again on social media, that great elevator moment when, you know, Meredith's in the elevator and McDreamy comes in and then, um, Kate Walsh comes in <laughs> mm-hmm, and then yes. poor nurse Rose comes <laughs> in and then McSteamy comes in and looks at the whole thing and just laughs. You know, which is, it's just so ridiculous, but it still was great television nonetheless. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that was the best. That was the best of Grace Anatomy. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the one thing I'll never forgive them for is killing Mark Sloan. To me, that's their greatest (laughs) sin. (laughs) Yeah. I think the most devastating death on Grace, the most drawn out. And, oh. Well, I can't. I get upset oh. thinking about it. All right. All right. All right. We got we got we got to move in on from the sad sad death uh of Mark Sloan who Lauren will die with for even I though will. he he is dead. He's he's a fictional <laughs> character and he's already dead but I would die for him. So nonetheless, we're going to move on to another game called On Call Brawl. Our version of Fuck Mary Kill for Grey's Couples. So we're going to play 
fuck, Mary kill, but not uh, projecting a partner onto you. We're going to go through these couples and you're going to say which ones just should have been a hookup, which ones should have gotten married and which ones we should have killed from the start. Okay. This is going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I love it. I love a decisive. Yeah. All right. We're going to go with a new start, start with a new crop of couples that we have less investment in. We've got glasses and Nico, Dr. Kim, Maggie and Winston and Amelia and Link. Who should have just been a hookup fuck? Who should have married? And who should have well, been I, I like and Amelia and Link together. So I, I I think they should be married. They're really great together. Right. Uh, uh, she's so great. Um, what was the first one? Schmidt. Glasses, a.k.a. Schmidt. Oh, Dr. Kim. And Dr. Nico Kim. This just does not feel politically correct to talk about. Um, I love that they explored... A yes. gay relationship mm-hmm. on the show. I didn't want it with these two. They were. I didn't want no, it with yeah. these two. And no, this is a girl who covers Dancing mm-hmm. with the Stars and is just begging for the day that we have two male dancers mm-hmm. together. I will right. be there every minute watching that. Um, I just ha- can't. I can't be invested in those I two. Agree. I love no. Nico. I love. I Nico. think they're sure. both great. He's sexy. But- they are, but I don't like them together. I don't believe them yeah. together. Yeah, I don't believe them. Not for no. as long as they've been. Yeah. No. So are we killing them? I guess we're killing we that. Kill- I guess we're killing. We're killing yeah. the relationship. Yeah, okay, we're killing we're the killing relationship. That. And I guess we we just have Maggie and Hooking Winston. Up. Yeah. Hooking All right. No problem. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Available. Next so. one. That- right. <laughs> uh, All right. Getting harder. Karev and Izzy. Karev and Joe. Or Karev and Addison. Well, uh, Karev and Addison should have never, I mean, I, I, he, first of all, she feels way too mature mm-hmm. for him. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so that's the right. worst, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, yeah, Karev and Izzy should be together. Well, no, oh. shoot. <laughs> we heard this is going to be easy. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, really, it, it comes down to asking you, Joe or Izzy. You know, I think back when, see, Karev has evolved as mm-hmm. a character and yes. he's grown up mm-hmm. on the show. So when Izzy had him, he was a, a bit of a mm-hmm. tool, you know, remember how, I mean, what a jerk yeah. he was. I wanted to say, dick. Oh, yeah. he was such a dick. Um, and she really saw him at his worst. Remember when she, he put up all the, the lingerie yeah. pictures of yes. her and then like, so, I mean, the fact that they end up hooking up, I mean, my my favorite moment of all time remains when Karev carries her out of Denny's death yeah. room. Yep. Nothing will ever top that. Yep. But I still don't know if I ever truly believed in that relationship as mm-hmm. much as I believed where he landed with Joe. So yeah. I'm going to have him marry Joe and wow. then just dating. Is that bad? I think that's right. No. I get it. I'm on your side. I agree. Yeah. And I, I feel wow. like you can only come to that point because of the way that they ripped him off the show recently, had him going back to Izzy. It just didn't feel right with Joe. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Great points. All right. We've got Owen and Christina, Owen and Teddy, and Owen and Amelia. I is why I hated Owen and Amelia <laughs> together. Too. So wow. So let's just like stop them. <laughs> um, um, so let's kill yeah. them. You're you're quick to the kill. I'm quick to the, the kill. kill. Owen and um, Owen and Christina. Who? <laughs> 
Teddy or Owen and Christina? Oh, yeah. Yeah, them, Owen and Christina. That was his best relationship. That really was. So they should be married and the other one's dating. That was was him at his best. They've hooked him up with way too many people. So many. A lot. Yes, yes. And he he is such a delightful man, too. Couldn't be nicer. Zero (laughs) trouble there. Lovely man. Um, But, yeah, they've, like, they've put him through the ringer. By the way, if there's ever a spinoff, he'll be in it. Oh, he'll be the spinoff wow. guy. So he's already he signed that contract deal. So he he Camilla Luddington and um, Katerina, they all have the extended. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kim Raver have the extended deals. Oh. And so he'll go on with this this. But no, he was golden with Sandra. Oh, their chemistry was just great. Absolutely. All right. So Sloan and Addison, Sloan and Lexi or Sloan and Callie. Sloan and Addison? Did you say Sloan and Addison? Mm-hmm. No. That was a thing. Mark Sloan yep. and Addison. Mark Sloan and Addison. They can just date. That's okay. purely sex. Nothing more. Okay. Um, okay. Um, Sloan and... Say it again. Lexi. Lexi Little so, Gray. Lex- yeah. Lexi yeah, they should be together. Known. They were so yeah. lovely okay. together. They were they so are on the beach. lovely together. Mm-hmm. And the other one, yeah, we kill. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because Sloan and Callie need to be best friends. I have to write these down uh, as you say so I can date. like picture them. Okay, go. <laughs> All right. The final one. This is this is the hard round because these are beloved couples by different uh, sections of the fandom. We've got Meredith, Meredith and Derek, Calzona, Callie in Arizona, and April, Jackson and April. Um, I would kill Cal in Arizona. Mm. I did <gasps> not like um, Callie for her. I did not like Callie wow. for But you know what? I think Old a little question. bit of the actress is coming into play there, too. Um, how I felt about the actress. Um, Meredith to uh, J-Prol. Isn't this hard? Mm-hmm. Gosh, this is hard. <laughs> um, because... Um, I hate just putting J-Pril at dating, but it's it's Meredith to, to the grave. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's how it has wow. to be. Yeah, it has to be. It has wow. to be. It has to be. You you triumphed. <laughs> uh, you know, we've got our forever couples are Amelia and Link, <laughs> Joe and Karev, Christina and Owen, Lexi and Sloan, and Meredith and Derek. I don't think anyone's arguing with you. Yeah, either. that's those, a good one. Those, that's it. That's it. So it's so interesting to me, the couples on the show... It feels like to me as a viewer that often it's like who's friends with who feels like it drives the characters together romantically just because they have to spend so much time together. Do you think that's true at all? Or is it just like from a story point of view only? No, it's the writers in the writer's room going, okay, we're going to throw these ideas up on the wall and we're going to see what works. Uh, Because... um, I mean, that's just yeah. the, you know, you just try to experiment with, with different relationships. And that's exactly what they did, by the way, when they hooked up, when they had Meredith and um, George mm-hmm. sleep together. Yeah. And, um, you just kind of try to see what happens. And because you're constant, there's no drama if you don't have right. conflict. And so they're constantly looking for the conflict. So that's just an example of it. You know, a lot of times this isn't well thought mm-hmm. out. This is a writer's room like, going, ah, my God, what are we going to write about now? And so they put that together. Uh, I, totally. That said, you never really, this is the beauty of doing a television show. 
you never really know what you're going to get when um, you bring people on on a show and you, how the chemistry is going to pay off. I mean, that's exactly what they found out with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Who knew that this man, who was even like fluffier at the time, he's leaned mm. out, obviously, since then. Um, he's gotten older on Walking Dead. But no one could have expected that the women would just lose their shit over this man. They just And I was yeah, one mm-hmm. of them. My sister was one of them. Totally. We loved him so much, which is why we kept on seeing him as a stupid ghost, <laughs> because it was an excellent stunt that they knew that would pay off. The women would come flocking yeah. back. They loved him so much. That's the kind of thing you don't, you can't see it until he's in the room with your actors. Yeah. And and that's the beauty of being on a television show. And when you have moments like that, you live for moments like that as a writer. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And then I have to say, looking back, maybe I give McDreamy credit because he laid a base layer of hot, nice guys mm-hmm. on the show. And so it just kept heightening from there. And America was like, give us Jeffrey Dean. Morgan. So great. Give us Denny. So great. Um, now, now I can mm-hmm. understand. Yeah. And it's interesting because so many shows or dramas are uh, hamstrung by the real life couples, uh, either like uh, uh, the actors don't want to break up with their real boyfriend or girlfriend or (laughs) they start dating once Mm -hmm. they are. And as far as I know, I feel like Grey's Anatomy never had this issue. They didn't have a lot of behind the scenes dating. Uh, No. No. Interesting. I mean, that's like the one thing they could not have There's always rumors of like, maybe there's some hookups here and there. Um, There, and which is, you know, very possible with you know adults who are with each other 15 hours a day um there's definitely the stories of that but nothing nothing like i mean my favorite most recently was madam secretary when tim daly started to uh him and taylor leone are together and they're perfect Mm -hmm. together um uh but not it wasn't like that on gray's anatomy no no it's just so interesting. It's 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 just it would have been one too much conflict. <laughs> the show would not be eighteen seasons if these actors were married to each other. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, Lauren, you had some important thoughts about fan theories. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously there wouldn't be a book. There wouldn't be 18 series if there weren't rabid fans. And what, even though I'm one of them, I can also laugh at how sometimes we get a little... We get a little crazy. And one of my favorite things about the Grey's Anatomy fandom are the conspiracy theories about characters. Uh, Some of my favorites are that Grey's Anatomy is actually uh, a dream sequence uh, and that uh, Meredith has actually had Alzheimer's uh, for years and that we'll find out she has Alzheimer's at the end. There's a theory going around that last season Meredith actually died of COVID and everything's been uh, you know, a dream sequence since then. Um, there's also a theory that all of the other characters represent uh, Meredith's emotions, like Winnie the Pooh or Inside Out. Uh, <laughs> there's one that it says that the final episode is going to reveal that Zola has actually been reading Meredith's diaries the whole time. Uh, my ah! One of my absolute favorites is that Graceland Memorial is actually a purgatory. Uh, and that's why so much drama happens. But of all of the kooky bananas fan theories out there, I have one that I actually do love and I actually wish would come true. And it speaks to something you mentioned earlier, Lynette. I think 
for true fans, like for people who've been together since the original days, Karev's journey was just so fun. And we all felt it was hard not to fall in love with Alex Karev and Justin Chambers. And so his exit was really hard to take. And I came across a fan theory that I wish would come true. And the theory is that Alex Karev is not actually with Izzy. He actually found out he was ill and didn't want to put the burden on Joe to take care of him. And that the way we find out is that in the final episodes, whenever it really comes around, uh, Izzy shows up at the hospital and everyone's like, how's Alex? And she's like, I haven't seen Alex in years. And that's when they find out that Alex was actually quietly um, dealing with some, whether it's mental health issues like his mother or some sort of illness. But that theory is out there. And I'm curious what you think about this fan theory that he's not with Izzy. He's protecting Joe. Oh my god. <laughs> that is a fan theory we heard on TikTok. We will link to in the social media. You know, for as much as I watch television, I watch mm-hmm. a ton of television because it's my job. I never I never go into those deep of theories with any character. Probably because I've spent so much time with writers and know that a lot of times they're just like pulling stuff out of their butt to try to make it through another Mm -hmm. week. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, things just happen. I mean, nothing they really plan Mm -hmm. out. You know, you can't even plan out a really good, I mean, whenever, if you ever hear a showrunner says, I've got the whole season planned out, know exactly how I'm going to end. I mean, they're a liar. They're a lying (laughs) liar who lies because you always have to leave room for something to happen that happens on screen. The chemistry we just spoke Mm -hmm. up and stuff, things always change. Um, I, I think it's, it really speaks to the beauty of the Grace fan, how fully invested they are. Um, I would like to believe a, a bit of the Zola uh, one. My my idea of a great f- finale is, and, and by the way, all these all these theories are based on what we've already seen in pop mm-hmm. culture. You know, the, the dream sequence, we can blame Roseanne yep. for that. That happened at Roseanne. Mm-hmm. And we've learned, these are all, this is all learned behavior that we picked up from another show. Um, so my dream theory is based on still Alice, the movie, mm. still Alice. When we see at the end that, you know, uh, Alice is talking to her daughter played by Kristen Stewart and they talk about love and whatnot. My dream ending is that we see Zola and Meredith together and Meredith, Meredith is, you know, already in the throes of Alzheimer's, but she has a breakthrough sentimental moment with Zola who wants to be a surgeon as well. I mean, that's what I would like. To me, that is the one that rings true the most. I don't know if we'll get Mm -hmm. that, um, um, but it would be nice. All I do know is that Krista doesn't listen to us. And (laughs) (laughs) And it's... It's probably for the best mm-hmm. because if if the regular fan were allowed to write this show, there would be no conflict. Um, everyone would get their way and then it, the show would end up being super boring. And so that's why we have to leave this stuff to the professionals. <laughs> but she doesn't listen to it. I mean, I think she has a good time hearing it, but mm-hmm. she can't listen to us. She just can't because sure. there's so yeah. much she's got to juggle. I, the, the Karev stuff, I mean... Oh, my God. No way. No way. (laughs) 
I love it. Um, yeah, I wish there. The only thing I really wish Krista would listen to, she finally did. The one thing I've wanted, she gave me this season. And the one thing as a fan I've been asking for since season 14 was for Scott Speedman to come back as Dr. Nick Marsh. And he finally did. So I will never complain to Christopher Vernoff again because she heard my prayer finally. Yeah. So thank you <laughs> Good. for listening Good. to that one. Um, I'm curious, though, uh, with the fans being as rabid as they are, clearly we got you here today. Have What have your experiences been like with the fans? Has it been positive? Has it been, have you had any kooky interactions or anything like that? No one has gotten mad at me, which I was relieved. The only biggest complaint I got was why I didn't write enough about little Gray, uh, because I just couldn't get her. And um, ah. um, so I was bummed about that. And, uh, but for the most part, people have been very, they've been very supportive. They've been nice. Um, I've just been overwhelmed by, it seems like most of the fans are younger and they found the show through Mm -hmm. Netflix. That's what I've been most overwhelmed about. And a lot of people overseas who have found me via Instagram wanting to know, is the book coming to the Philippines? Is the book coming to Brazil? Is the book coming to Russia? Um, um, because it, you know, the, the show airs mm-hmm. there it, it, and it's crazy. It's crazy. The Brazilian fans are rabid, <laughs> just fucking rabid. And, and I've heard from them the most. They wanted to know if they can get the book. So, I, I'm I'm glad there were maybe just a few random people. They don't want to believe that Patrick Dempsey could be a butthead. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. but that was just maybe one or two and at the most. Um, um, and, you know, and that's the stand that will never believe that these people don't. Totally. Yeah. So but for the most part, people have been very cool. And I've been so grateful, so grateful so grateful well speaking of cool fans we have one more voice memo that came in from a friend of the show and podcaster himself chris lewis he wanted to ask you this hi caitlin hi lauren hi lynette this is chris lewis reporting live from the front lines of my hangover i'd also love to hear from all three of you which character do you never want to see on the show again personally I never want to see Christina Yang on that show again because, frankly, Christopher Noth is not that girl and cannot write for my queen. And I don't think they'd pay Sandra O to also be doing scripts. And what's going on with with uh, Addison coming back? I saw that promo and guys, guys, it was a little rough. Why is she referencing her opening line to people who don't even know it? I mean, that's taking fan service a step too far, but again... What can we expect from those showrunners over there? <laughs> Once again, Chris Lewis uh, coming in hot. Really? Yes. He really mm-hmm. did. Um, why was he so hard on Sandra O? Oh. God, she was great. No, he no, he he loves Sandra O, oh and he doesn't think that the show could write for her anymore. He doesn't think that the that they that if she came back, he think it, it would not be to the level that she deserves. Uh, um, you know, I, 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 I feel guilty for this because it's not going to necessarily be a popular opinion. I've never really mm. gelled with Debbie Allen's character. Wow. I, I've never been that into her. I, and I, I, she got really bossy there too with, um, mm-hmm. with April. Mm-hmm. She really, you know, got up in the grill of them and stuff. And I didn't love that. And that's, and I think that goes to what we were talking about earlier, like really understanding 
mm-hmm. where she fits financially in this whole picture and her on again, off again um, relationship and the, her marital woes with James Pickens Jr.'s mm-hmm. character as well. I oh, love yeah. him. So I, I that one is, mm-hmm. that's been tough for me to follow. Um, the other one I don't miss oh. at all is Matthew Morrison's character when he was oh, married right. to Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, he was scary. He was really scary. Oh, right. Ooh, really and scary. that moment in the book when he admits to like messing with her on set, I was like, it skewed me out. Oh, that was, oh, that was like a, a future show that he was on, and somebody thought that. Oh no, no, he knew. Yeah, to stay and away he said, but I would sometimes sit down right, next to her right, and like just said. to mess with her, and I was like, oh, I don't like that. That's so creepy. Oh dear. Yeah, I mean, it, that was a really smart mm-hmm. move of him, especially coming off Glee. of Glee. Uh, yeah. I mean, he played it almost too yeah, well. He was completely. so good. He was so uh. good. But I don't have any really you know, angry, like, I want to vomit, you know, attitude toward anybody who's been yeah, on the show. totally. Lauren, what about you? Is there someone you wouldn't want to see return? I just want, I, I'm sad to hear that Kevin McKidd has a big overall deal because I'm ready for Owen to go. I'm just ready for Owen to go. I loved him yeah. so much, but it's yeah. time. I don't, I'm, goodbye. I, I'm ready for mm, him to yeah. be retired. That's how I feel. Keep directing. I hear you. Keep directing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But that's mine. I'm just every time he pops up on the screen now, I'm just like, come on. That's mine. How about you, Caitlin? <laughs> mine would just be Ben Warren, just because it means we're watching a oh, yeah. Station 19 <laughs> crossover. <laughs> no, nothing against oh, Doctor Warren, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's because that really felt like they, 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 they. they they mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what to do with him after a while. No, and people like him, but it's just not, yeah. I don't know. You know, not everyone has to be in the Grace verse mm-hmm. for all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And the Addison of it all. Are we excited about Addison's return? Chris is referencing what we saw in the trailer, which is that she repeats her famous first line saying, you must be, I'm going to mess it up, but you must be the group that's ruining our reputation or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I hated that. I didn't love you that. You and Chris are together. Yeah, I didn't love that. Um, I uh, I love that she's back. I love looking at her. I also think it's just a big siren call that this is going to be the final yeah. season. I mean, that's just another reason for it. But I think it's nice that she's back. Um, but if you're going to do this, Krista, if you're going to keep bringing back people, Krista, mm-hmm. then I want to see Catherine Heigl. I, I want to see her. Mm-hmm. I, got, mm-hmm. I want you guys to work it out. Figure it out and get her back. Yeah. Get her back. I, I have to say that was one of the things I loved the most about reading the book was that the way you curated Catherine's story, I thought was so tremendously empathetic. And I just I've mm-hmm. always really mm-hmm. liked her. And I just I don't know, made me fall in love with her again. Reading reading the way you told her story was really cool. Well, one of the reasons I mean, I. I presented it as such too, because I feel like I'm looking at mm-hmm. this through the Me Too lens. Yep. Um, if um, this would have happened today versus yes, you know, yesteryear, I don't mm-hmm. think she would have been treated quite the same. I mean, looking back, it was sexist the way uh, it, she was covered. Uh, she was an outspoken woman. She was a very talented yeah. woman. She was the first woman on the show who got an Emmy, um, and so she she knew what she wanted, and she just happened to be caught off guard with a question by somebody like, "Why didn't you submit?" yourself for an Emmy and it was a legit answer. I mean her biggest storyline that year was like saving <laughs> deer, a fucking deer. <laughs> and and so she didn't feel like she had the episode. Well it was completely s- s- turned 
as we like to do as journalists, you know, looking you know for the great story. And so it made it really fed into this notion that she was ungrateful. And and what's really just just shitty about it now is that she continues to do new projects, but she, the, the the conversation always ends up coming back to what her personality was like on Grey's and what was perception about her with Grey's, which is so bloody unfair. I think when Patrick launches his next project, maybe in a year or so, no one's going to ask him about terrorizing the set, Mm-mm. but they'll definitely talk to Katherine Heigl about feeling ungrateful and, and, and appearing like a diva, which is so unfair. Totally. I mean, one of my favorite stories was from um, an <laughs> electrician who said she loved her food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Whenever, and Friday night when they would order out for food, she would come around the corner and like say, can I have a bite? Can I have a bite? Which is the greatest thing. Um, So yeah. And she was, and I mean, she was a marvelous actress too. She knew how to prepare. Um, uh, Yeah. I, it it was a bummer. I mean, this is what shows, long running shows have to do. You have to continually churn over in the Mm -hmm. cast. You've got to refresh it to keep it going. And that's what this show has done. That doesn't make it easy to still say goodbye to people that we really love. It's it's just hard. We miss them. We long for those days. And yeah. and speaking of saying goodbye to people we really love, Lynette, thank you for doing the show. We'll probably need to have you on six <laughs> or seven more times to get to characters we didn't even mention. Uh, thank you so much. The book is everywhere books are sold. Eventually, Brazil. Uh, <laughs> and yes. Where can our Stan Stans find you on social media or where can they look for your future work? I'm on Instagram at Lynette.Rice, um, on Twitter at Lynette Rice. You can find the book on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble. Um, please grab it. And we have to make a date to talk next May mm-hmm. when we'll be saying mm-hmm. goodbye yes. to the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a date. Let's do that. If it ended the way we wanted, then we can like talk about all these theories. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. We're be having those oh, conversations. Yeah. And the spinoffs for Kevin McGood. Yeah. All right, Stan Sands, you know you can find us at We Stand Social on all platforms. Until next time, thank you. Bye. Now the Backstreet Boys are all grown up with Together.